Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Hear these words. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country, country and goes after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he does, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I'll tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Those of you on my social media know that if I'm not being ornery, as Pat Bonner always points out, or complaining about Hebrew homework, I'm usually sharing these things that are supposed to make people feel good. At least they make me feel good. Because obviously, I think that we need a lot more positivity in our world. And right now, I'm addicted to this hidden camera program on ABC called What Would You Do? Have you heard of it? What Would You Do? I watched the show as a kid, and I absolutely loved it. But now they post all of their videos on Facebook, so I can sit for hours and watch segment after segment, procrastinating homework and all the other adult things I have to do, which is great. Anyways, What Would You Do features actors and actresses acting out scenes of conflict or illegal activity in public settings, and these hidden cameras record these scenes. And the focus is on whether or not bystanders intervene, and if they do, then how so? Variations of these often are included, like changing the gender or the race or uh, clothing of an actor in a particular scene, just to see if the bystanders would react differently. Kiones appears at the end of each scenario and interviews the bystanders and the witnesses about their reactions. Now, as of late, they have really been focusing on current social issues that have made headlines in uh, the past few months, within the past few months. Like where a nine-year-old named Mackenzie, who has died by suicide, was bullied because the other kids in her class thought her skin was just a little too dark for her to have friends in her class. Or an older man who asked a barista to read, a men read from the menu because he never learned how to read and she verbally attacked him in front of the other customers. Now those are just to name a couple, but the show reenacts these horrific scenes of injustice, and they sit back just to watch to see what people around will do. And let me tell you, if your faith in humanity needs to be restored, please watch these videos. You can see these bystanders become physically frustrated as they observe these reenacted scenes. Some of them offer words of encouragement to the protagonist in the scenarios, and some of them will get up and try to find a manager to right the wrong. 
Some of the bystanders will even confront the antagonist and give them a stern talking to. And before things can escalate too quickly, the host comes out and says, Hello, I'm John Quiones, and this is what would you do? During the interview, Quiones often asks, Why'd you intervene? And the responses vary. Overcome with emotion, we can see these witnesses and bystanders who will often say these scenarios are far too personal. Or they'll say something like, I intervened because it was the right thing to do. But more often than not, I often hear people say on this show, well, I'm a Christian. I couldn't just sit back and let this happen. Or my faith wouldn't allow me not to see everyone treated equal, equal, as equal. What would you do? What would Jesus do? Our scripture highlights that very question. Jesus is found in community with a group of sinners and people that he's not supposed to be hanging out with. I see Jesus talking and laughing and showing some human decency to a group of people longing for that type of connection. A group of people exiled from a larger community. A group of people Jesus valued and loved, even though it was considered taboo. Jesus didn't care. He continued to do his thing anyways. And then comes along some haters, whispering, gossiping, and talking about Jesus behind his back, as haters tend to do. And I imagine Jesus hearing these whispers, watching them roll their eyes at one another in pure disgust with Jesus' actions. So just like the bystanders in What Would You Do?, Jesus decides to speak up. On one hand, we recognize Jesus as a champion of the people, as he speaks truth to power, telling the religious leaders how it is once again. Now, we know that this isn't just some isolated issue or incident. The gospel is full of encounters that happen just like this. These encounters are the very essence of the gospel. Jesus offering healing and wholeness to everyone, particularly those who seem to need it the most. Even though it went against the status quo, he continued to do it because that's what Jesus did. But he doesn't just stop there. On one hand, we see Jesus responding to the behavior of the leaders is also an invitation for them to join Jesus, for them to adopt this divine point of view, to set aside all their prejudices and open up their hearts and homes to the least of these and celebrate them as if they were family. What would Jesus do? You know, back when I was a youth, a long two minutes ago, um, <laughs> WWJD, or what would Jesus do, was such a popular phrase among the Christian community. 
I mean, people would wear this abbreviation on their shirts, on their hats, um, on their bracelets, and it became so popular that it was like if you didn't have this decal on your car or if you didn't have a WWJD license plate, people would ask, are you really even a Christian? Like, it was, it was a whole thing, um, and it was important to this community. Now, that's jokingly, of course, but we see it all over the place. Actually, this past week, I was on my way to pick up the boys from school, and I saw this big black car with gold letters, and it said WWJD across the whole side of the driver's side of the car. This is a popular phrase, but it's one that was coined in the 1990s, early, um, and it's a personal motto that is a reminder for us to remember of our moral imperative to act in a manner that always demonstrates Christ's love through our words and through our actions. But these letters have almost lost their meaning in today's world. I mean, the letters have become just an accessory, something that signifies our Christianity, which, don't get me wrong, I don't think is a bad thing, but it's important for us to truly ask ourselves, how often do we stop to think, what would Jesus do? It's an important question. Because if our actions don't reflect the ways of Jesus, we are not loving the way that Jesus loved. And if we don't love the way that Jesus loved, we cannot make disciples. If we don't love the way that Jesus loved, we cannot transform the world, let alone make any impact on the world. And if we don't love as Jesus loved, we are not bringing about the kingdom here on earth and the people we are called to care for are out wandering, slipping through the cracks, feeling unwelcomed and unwanted. One of my favorite classes this semester um, is Ministry with Adults. It's a class that we use to explore the different issues and challenges adults of a variety of ages face and how we as people going into ministry can better be in ministry with all groups of people. Now right now we are focusing on um, young adults which and the reason that this age group is leaving the church at a significant rate. As this is a conversation that's all too familiar with everyone. I'm in this class with about 15 to 20 young people who have a deep love and appreciation for the church, but we also belong to this age group, so we had a real opportunity just to share each other's perspectives and hear what each other has experienced. Now, the general consensus was that young people viewed the ways of the church universal not any particular church, but the church universal, as inconsistent with the gospel of Christ. Whew. Now that's, that's a tough one to tackle. And a young lady in class brought up that the control and the rules and the limitations set by the church and how often the church will tell us that we aren't to love this person or we can't be in community with that person. But in reality... Statements like those are so opposite from the gospel. 
Just like our scripture from today, we see a Jesus on the front line of the welcoming committee, including the outcast, empowering the marginalized, and valuing every human being he crosses paths with. And our professor said it best. If that's the perception young people have of the church, then no doubt I choose the gospel over church any day as well. And our professor ended class as she always does with a challenge, a challenge to make the world a better, a better place as young people experiencing and loving the church to live out our faith and change the narrative. It's up to us to change the narrative, to live out our faith in such a way that values all expressions of life, to live out our faith in such a way that works to bring justice and peace about the world. It's up to us to live more in line with the gospel each and every day, even when it's hard. May we be the people that truly reflect on what would Jesus do and to conduct ourselves accordingly. May we be the people on the front line of the welcome committee, including the outcast, empowering the marginalized, and valuing every single human being we cross paths with, with love and the, the wanting and the longing, as Jesus Christ has often said in our scripture and in the gospel as a whole. This is the direction of our church. This should be how we live out our faith, loving and wanting people, no matter the margins they're on no matter the color of their skin, no matter where they come from, no matter who they love, no matter their life circumstances, Christ would go and find them. And we are called to do the same. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.